0: Me. I'm
1: in <laughs> There's been a murder.
2: Murder. <laughs> There's
1: been a murder. Can you name the TV program?
0: <laughs> oh, you just knocked me sideways. It's just the way you say it. Murder. Where's it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What is it? oh it's taggart (laughs) mate do you think taggart was a runner
1: (laughs) what jim 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 taggart i don't think i ever saw taggart run but i haven't watched it for ages actually it might be one of those ones that (laughs) might be good to go back and watch uh you you were probably more of a minder man were you
0: oh mate absolutely loved minder i love dennis waterman i love the theme music (laughs) how does the music go (laughs) I could be so good for you. <laughs> oh, you must remember it. Uh, I remember the car. Didn't you have like a classic Jag or something? Classic Jag, yeah. I bet Dennis Walterman was a runner.
2: Daz, <laughs> uh, you might uh, think I'm
0: going off on a bit of a tangent here, but in our podcast chat with the truly wonderful Rory, Rory Leonard, in yeah. today's episodes, It's one of those things where I just think more and more people are turning to running and perhaps people that you...
1: (laughs) Want to to escape from murders.
0: Yeah, probably. Well, I think you might be right. To escape from COVID-19, house lockdown, sheer nightmare scenarios. So we should play a game with our future guests like runner or non-runner. So Ronnie O'Sullivan does runner or non-runner. He's he's a good runner, actually, Ronnie. He's isn't Brilliant, Ronnie. We should get him on as a yeah. guest. Yeah, he's. That would be man. amazing. He's pretty pacey, isn't he? Mate, he's got some good um, ultra potential as Ronnie.
1: Yeah, he's more of a five k boy, Ronnie, at the moment. I think, isn't he?
0: No, mate. Seriously, you can you can follow him on Strava. He's knocked out some good sort of twenty, thirty milers. He is. He. He does have Doctor Stephen Peters as his as his mind coach, though. What the Steve Peters is Ronnie's um, chimp paradox coach, is he? He was one of the first to adopt Mr. Peters, was Ronnie. Was he really? That's amazing. Yeah.
1: What about uh, Alex Hurricane Higgins? Was he a
0: runner? (laughs) Mate, that's the dead or living category.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Alex. That's uh, yeah. Uh, Steve Davis.
0: He's a long distance walker.
1: Yeah, that, that yeah, I could see Steve Davis doing like long-distance walking events, actually, yeah. He's a plugger. He's a plugger, Plogger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The reason I asked about, uh, is there... You <laughs> need to cut this bit out. <laughs> 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 Has there been a murder? Is that the best thing we've done in the past couple of weeks of this lockdown is <laughs> play Cluedo. Have you played Cluedo recently? The Xbox, would you believe? You're playing Cluedo Ooh. on the Xbox?
0: Yeah. Really? It's oh, pretty, wow. It's pretty wicked, yeah. Kind of is updated it? some of the, kind of the features. It's like, like, how do you get your kids to play board games? You play oh, yeah. on the Xbox.
1: Is that a sort of like uh, augmented reality? So.
0: Yes, exactly, yeah. Trying to bring some of the characters to life and stuff. Oh, that's but, pretty yeah. cool.
1: Very good. So who we got on today?
0: Mate, we had the pleasure of chatting to Rory Leonard. So Rory is a Team GB runner represented team gb in the cross country series as well as track he is one of the co-owners of a fantastic kind of media portal called TrackStar. they they sort of pump out youtube videos and yes yeah, it's, it's kind of cool Daz. i mean we we touch on it in the podcast don't we that there's a sort of an old guard and, and clearly an opportunity for some sort of new vibrant sort of content so they're sort of creating some kind of wonderful irreverence around, you know, like new stuff that's happening in the athletics world. So basically, if you've got a mullet and a moustache <laughs> and, and you're up for running a beer mile in a pair of jeans, then, then you're massively a candidate for some kind of track star action. And, and we're in, aren't we, Daz? thousand percent.
1: Sounds absolutely brilliant. I think I, think I might struggle to uh, get a mullet, but I'm, I'm well up for the moustache.
0: Uh, you've got the upside down version as you're doing the beard
1: I've got I've got the beard I could get I've been thinking about getting uh, well you know those sort of uh, baldness operations where you can get your bald patch covered up by uh they take hairs off the back of your neck and put it on the top of your head because my my kids slag me off about being bald and uh yeah Yeah. it's quite disconcerting actually so maybe when I do that operation I could ask
0: for a mullet at the same time Daz I've wondered why so you know the absolutely fantastic Damien Hall you know, yeah. you know, he calls himself. Do you know what he calls himself? Do you know what his nickname is? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> it's the ferret, and it's because <laughs> it's because he purposely shaves like you know the sides and the sort of balding bit, and he just leaves this like tuft on the top of his head, and uh, okay. uh, you know, affectionately calls it the ferret. So you know, you could you could do a, a little uh, little ferret dude, or craft another oh, little right. uh, rodent on your head. <laughs> all
1: right well that's it he, we need to get him on next and he can talk us through how he does it yeah. I don't think
0: he'd ever talk to us ever
1: oh come on Scott Durex turned
0: us down <laughs> there's, a, there's a big list of turndowns you know it yeah it's
1: massive Yeah, top of the list is Yanis Kouros never wants to podcast. <laughs> we're
0: going to hunt him down like a dog <laughs> we will not stop he's, podcasting he, he's,
1: he's, he's going to murder us
0: We should create an ultra marathon version of Cluedo Dudes with all the people that won't attend our podcast and we will murder
1: one by one. Was it Yanis murdered Jurek (laughs) on the mountain (laughs) with (laughs) With the goo gel, with the ferret? (laughs) With (laughs) the ferret. Oh, brilliant. Let's put Rory on, my friends.
3: Mate, let's get him on. Uh, Welcome to the latest Rising Stars episode of the Camino podcast with legend Rory Leonards. Welcome Rory.
2: Hello guys thank you for having me and I was just saying before recording nice to meet you both because <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time it's an absolute pleasure.
3: Exactly mate. We got introduced by our dear friend Alex from Excel Coffee didn't we Rory?
2: We did indeed we did indeed which I'm currently currently sipping on now after my run. Yeah Alex is a quality guy and Big, big fan of, of all the stuff going on with your Excel. And I think it's a nice little nice little idea, so, you know, throwing throwing coffee into the health game as well as just juicing you up for uh, for your runs and stuff. Yeah.
3: We're going to come on to that in a bit more detail, Rory, because cool. I was watching one of your videos recently. There was some very funny banter with your buddy around coffee. But uh, yeah, I guess just to help our audience a bit, Rory, typically when Daz and I have kind of guests on our podcasts. There's some pretty sort of obvious kind of overlaps. You know, we, we've we often kind of been in running events with our guests where I guess we've kind of got a very similar sort of track record in terms of kind of our racing and, and training and and goals and stuff. But I guess what's going to be wonderful in this podcast, Rory, is being curious as to kind of where those kind of overlaps are i guess a clear one is pure love of running so maybe you could just kind of intro yourself with a bit of your running bio buddy
2: yeah of course uh well i've been running for about four four and a half years now been fortunate enough to run for great britain four times twice on the track and then twice on the country probably the highlights there being ninth at european juniors 5k and 37th at the world championships uh, on the cross country in in denmark and yeah, currently studying at Loughborough University, uh, having plenty of sort of COVID-friendly fun, I guess. It's not not your most typical first year of university, but it's all going well. And yeah, so do, do a little bit of that, a little bit of running. And yeah, that's I think, I think that's sort of me encapsulated pretty much.
3: That's amazing, mate. It should also be noted that you actually have running royalty as, as mum and dad, don't you?
2: Yeah, and I get reminded of that daily. My, my dad... <laughs> My dad was a good runner back in the day. He ran 13:35 30, for 5K and 28:08 for 10K. Again, which he reminds me daily of, and he just lets me know that I'm gonna have to work hard if I'm gonna get uh, get near those times, sort of thing. So yeah, and also my mum was a, a very good runner back in, back in the 80s as well. So uh, yeah, it, it sort it it runs through the veins a little bit.
3: I've got to ask this question, Rory. Be careful on me, maybe less so on Daz. So. There's a strong possibility that your dad might actually be younger than me. Is he is he the right side or the wrong side of fifty?
2: He's on the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> so hey! In he's. I'll not mention his age, but he's he's closing in on sixty pretty rapidly. Which again is a one up that I do have on him, so I can always remind him remind him of that, which is nice.
3: And Rory, obviously, you know, you probably are getting the wonderful coaching from many different uh, angles, aren't you, with Loughborough University and, and Team GB and stuff, but you, your dad as well, is he kind of formally coaching you?
2: Yeah, so it, he, he coached me for the past two years or so, just before I got to Loughborough University, and we started to see a little bit of if, if there was little things going on in the house, you then get to the track and it's carried over, and it, and it sort of it broke down a little bit it, it's kind of stopped working it a little bit so I kind of then moved on to some coaches at Loughborough and I'm currently in a bit of a limbo whereby I'm, I'm deciding what what I do sort of going forward and I think my dad's going to have quite a big impact on that so he's he's smug about that because it's a little bit of I told you so you should never have left me kind of thing so he's loving that but so yeah it's, it's looking like I'm going to be back with him quite soon as well hey that's super and- yeah it's it's nice
3: So, you know, Darren and I in more recent years, you know, we've spent uh, the majority of our time doing kind of pretty big ultra marathons on the track, sort of 24 hour events and doing kind of 100 milers, things of kind of broad like Spartathlon, which is 153 miles. We're pretty fascinated often by. I guess, what what is considered to be a a bit of a clash between kind of speed running and going through, I guess, bigger mileage weeks. And we've not totally given up on the short stuff just yet, have we, Daz?
1: I think I have. (laughs) Or have we? (laughs) Oh, I think breaking 20 minutes for a 5K would be good these days, mate. But go on, David, where were you going with that one?
3: I'm really curious, Rory, to, I mean, A, you know, I'd love to know what you know about the kind of ultra marathon world in terms of yourself and your close running buddies. And because you know, we've got a lot of friends who have been out to Armar to do that credible 5k events. And just recently, you know, in this kind of off season, I've seen some of the guys that we're coaching doing kind of 16 minute 5k's, which is wow. not bad for guys in their kind of 40s and early 50s, wow. you know, so um, yeah, kind of curious to know Rory kind of you know what you what you know out there and you know your experience of kind of that mix between really fast stuff and and then guess kind of spreading things out and doing bigger miles
2: yeah well one, one thing I think about the ultra running world firstly I watched loads of like YouTube videos about ultra and because I think they they have the best coverage and like the coolest backstories and the sort of the stories behind it. I mean I watched I watched the race in the US where they kind of go through a the, the Barclay Marathon Oh, yeah. I mean that that film is absolutely nuts and the race is nuts like it it's crazy and then also watching Jim Wormsley and that world record and running like five five minute 57 for as long as he did you kind of when you're watching it and it's like you you put it on YouTube at one point and then you leave for three hours and then you go back and he's just he's just still going at that same pace and it, it's so weird to sort of process when you you know you, you've started watching him you've done three lectures you then come back and he's still just like absolutely hammering out five fifties. So I, I think the ultra world's arguably one of the coolest parts of the sport a hundred percent. I mean even sort of like if you're looking at race in the UK, like the, the three peaks and and the backstories behind the people doing it and why they're doing it. I feel like it's a different kind of pain because you battle in you're battling demons on a 5k, you know, you've got 12 and a half laps and you, the amount of times you come in and out and you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm suffering here. But I think when, when, you know, when you're going through an ultra and, you know, you've got your stop offs and you've got different stations and stuff, but you're out there by yourself and you can be out there in the complete wilderness, which you don't get in cross country or track. Sort of it's based on your own kind of like competence as well as trusting that you're fit enough to be getting through that. I, so I love it. it it's something that when i'm sort of like done with all of the the 510s and, and, and marathons and whatnot i, I definitely want to you know go out to the states and get myself on some trails and get on some ultra runs and stuff because it just i don't want to say it looks fun because it does look fun but it also looks like it hurts a lot that's awesome but yeah so with hoka and stuff seeing like from the hoka perspective what they're doing and some of their athletes out there it's uh it's pretty cool to see see what they're doing so yeah
3: Perfect segue there. It's quite unusual for us to see Hoka uh, working with young, exciting athletes. How did the kind of collaboration come about? You know, there's obviously this huge hype, isn't there, around kind of Nike and use of kind of flies. I-, I was watching a great video on your uh, Trackstar um, yeah. you know, site about what Nike have been doing and bringing out a kind of remodeled version rather than new shoe and stuff but it's a fairly big thing to to use something other than Nike isn't it in terms of how successful it's been on on track and fast marathon so yeah I'd love to know more buddy about yourself and that relationship.
2: Yeah Hoka's um they've kind of had not like an interesting restructure but I think they're um the people that they're targeting has certainly changed and I think in the world that it is at the moment with Uh, road running being so important and just being at the forefront of everything like they know that they have to have those those guys who are fast on the shorter stuff as well as the longer stuff I think the nice thing about hope is that you can go from 800 to the ultras and to the trail and to triathlon and they're going to have top athletes everywhere And, and it's nice to see that it's also great to see I mean my dad used to work for Hoka, I think five or six years ago, maybe a bit more. And it's interesting with the whole carbon shoe. Hoka had carbon shoes ready to go six years ago. And sort of the corporate end of it were like, this is silly. This isn't going to work. High stack shoes, carbon. It's, it's not because at the time, you know, it was those sort of flat shoes with not much in them. That was that was the best shoe to run in. And Hoka had these high stack shoes with carbon before kind of Nike had even started talking about them. And. And they were just sat there as prototypes. They were never used. So it, it is really interesting now to see Hoka again creating shoes that they were actually creating six years ago. And, and they're putting that technology in there. And the, the Carbon X2, the Carbon X and the Rocket X, they've been great, I've there been training in both to haven't been able to race as, as we all haven't you know, that lack of race is a, a bit of a killer but yeah like you say road running at the moment is just absolute carnage with the technology it, it's a bit of a scary world because people do feel like oh well if i'm not in these shoes I, I can't win or whatever and it's like well people ran 13 10 for 5k in you know flip-flops back in the 80s these carbon shoes aren't gonna aren't gonna change that much they're gonna change something certainly and they are gonna change the way that you run but at the end of the day, it's about all those hard workouts you're putting in in through the days and, uh, and making sure. And it's nice, again, with Hoka having having access to that technology. And it, and it has become a bit of a, a sort of war of technology between a lot of companies. But I think innovation is a great thing. And I think that, that kind of war of innovation is necessary in, in some ways. Actually, I've got a question for you guys on that as well. Where do you stand on carbon in sort of like trail shoes? Because I know North Face put out a shoe that had carbon in it. And to me, that was a little bit confusing. I sort of imagined in trail racing, you'd want as much sort of foot flexibility as possible.
3: You know, there's trail as we know it in mm. the kind of UK, which has that degree of kind of technicality where people are still looking for, I guess, more classic kind of grit and more sort of hybrid stuff so you know you get the new mud claw shoe that came out by Innovate was was highly successful this year like especially in the states where the trails they say well groomed don't they it's almost like <laughs> yeah. there's that ability to almost step off the track as you quite rightly said but yeah. on these phenomenally impressive distances and in, in these beautiful terrains but perhaps very runnable so got pal Capal, Jim Wormsley, of course Zach Miller the, these people have been able to kind of run almost as incredibly fast on those trails as as they have been out on the track so I think they'll they'll be pushing the the trainer to to the limits yeah and I think in the same way that we saw out in the track yeah you'll mm-hmm. see that in the trails Rory did you did you see the story I think it was last year or we've kind of lost a year last year didn't we (laughs) maybe it was two years ago one of the favorites in one of the big city marathons was found well I think it was a marathon maybe it was a shorter distance but basically they they did quite well but they they were a non they weren't a Nike athlete they wore the Nikes in the event and they'd spray painted them black
2: (laughs) yeah yeah Oh man, that's that's become an act. I think that's probably one of the most frightening things for companies at the moment. Seeing the amount of people who have just like nail polished out a Nike tick or whatever on anything, I mean, even Adidas athletes, it's like imagine there's not like there must be nothing worse for those guys. Seeing you know, Nike outdo so many people like that, that people feel the need to actually spray paint the shoes and whatever. It, it's nuts, but so many people are doing it. So many people are doing it.
3: So, what sort of reaction do you get? amongst kind of your sort of your peers and the track star audience for you wearing hoka buddy
2: yeah it's all really positive Uh, i think hoka in the uk is definitely still growing I think in the US, it's definitely got more of a foothold than here. So it's nice now that I feel like the, the sort of network of athletes in the UK with Hoka is, is growing uh, and, and the sort of the, the exposure and, and, and whatnot's growing. So, yeah, in, in terms of like following and stuff, it's been nice. People asking more about the shoes. I think that sort of like sort of under-23 group, you know, like you say, it's Adidas, Nike, it's New Balance, this, that, and the other. And people are genuinely asking the questions about what shoe do you use for this, what shoe do you use for that? So it's, it's been nice and it seems like people have been sort of, you know, going out and trying them and, and and buying some shoes, which is, I guess, the desired effect from Hoka as well. But it's also very nice to see people expanding, expanding their horizons a little bit and seeing that there's there's sort of more to the company. But again, Hoka a really young brand. It's the amount that it's grown in the past sort of like 10 years is pretty impressive. So I guess it will just keep growing and growing, considering the, where it is now in that 10, 15 years. It's, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So Rory, I'm, I'm fascinated by a couple of things, actually, um, to do with, well, so the first, the first ones to do with uh, your, the, the events that, that you, that you do, are you and the, and the age that you're at and the stage you're at in your athletic career? Are you, are you in the process of choosing your distances and choosing your events? Or would you say that you've sort of settled on, you settled on 5k and that's the thing that you, you want to target? Or where, where does that sit in the sort of evolution of your career?
2: Yeah so currently I'm sort of around 1500 5k purely for career progression really it's one of those things where for the next two years I'll probably focus on 1500 and do 5ks because it's like in Olympic finals and world finals it's not uncommon to see Kenyans and Ethiopians etc kind of close in like a sub-four mile and it's like I, I need to be able to run 338 for 1500 if I'm going to be anywhere competitive in the world over 5K. And if that gotcha. takes me to the age of 23 when I, I'm really on 5K, because I'm too, I'm too slow for 15 and, and I have to be right up there with five, that's great. And then eventually I'll be getting you know my ass kicked over five, so I have to move up to 10. And then eventually there'll be younger people kicking me out of the 10, half marathon. Yeah. Eventually I'm going to be at 26.2. So yeah, I get it, it almost goes in sort of like four or five year increments, depending okay. on how, what, what the body allows as well, because there's going to be years when my body's just not happy. And if that's off 5k training, then I have to sort of, okay, body can't do as much fast stuff anymore, up to 10k, try and last it out kind of thing. Because that's, that's the thing with running to keep, you get, you know, you kind of get 10 good, 10 good years if you're lucky, including injuries when you're going to have your prime and, it's figuring out how, how I'm going to maximise that and make sure. Uh, and I think at the age of 20, a lot of people don't realise that it is you get 10 good years. Make sure, you know, you, you're smart with your decisions so that you get those 10 good years. Otherwise, you'll get five because you're injured every other year and you miss this, that and the other. And that's the thing about the good thing about my dad is that he had a great career, but he got so many injuries and he, he, he messed up so many times kind of things he wasn't getting the right guidance. so having him knowing that he made all those mistakes and him knowing what i have to do to, to keep going in the sport that's it, it's really useful yeah that's brilliant
1: And the, the other thing i wanted to ask you which um when i was uh reading about you over the past couple of days and knowing that we we're going to be going to be chatting is um is a sort of fascinating gulf in um People of David and I's age, and someone of your age, in, ter- in terms of inspirations. So, so when I was when I was a kid, athletics on TV was massive. So mm-hmm. you used to get it felt it felt like it was every week or every couple of weeks you'd have like the the the, the Diamond League or the Golden League, kind of from you know from coming live from Zurich, and you'd have Steve yeah. Cram and Ovette and Seb Cole and they'd be these guys would be going head to head with the best in the world, and it was it was amazing. But I kind of feel like. That stuff maybe died a bit in terms of TV coverage, maybe in the in the early two thousands and whatever. Did you do you remember having like who who were your influences that you that you that you watched and got inspired by when you were younger? Yeah,
2: it's a, it's a weird one because I I always played football and so I the the idea of sort of running around a track or running around a field sounded absolutely dreadful, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't watch it on TV because I, I, I just sort of. I, I didn't enjoy it, I guess, because I just thought the idea of running sounded really hard. And because I got into the sport sort of like four or five years ago, in terms of inspirations, it's kind of a, a, a weird one for me because I did watch athletics on TV, and, I, and I'd love to say that in terms of inspirations, it would have been those guys like Gale and Rutt because you see them run so fast over a mile, so fast over five and ten. And, and like you say, the TV coverage was good, but it, it is a bit of a shame now that the TV coverage isn't quite what it used to be, and the athletes there aren't quite what they used to be. And it sort of makes sense because a lot of running has become sort of like marketization. So people lose a lot of their personality through trying to make money in the sport. And sometimes a little bit ingenuine. you're sort of, you're told how to respond in press conferences as well. And it's like, you want to see those weird personalities coming out. And I I don't know if you guys have heard of Craig Engels, but he does like a perfect job of that. He's got this mullet. He's got this great mustache. He's funny in interviews. And he's like, an investable personality who i genuinely want to watch run and he doesn't race in the sort of like in in a boring fashion either so i think trying to bring out the personalities in track and field and that sort of stuff is probably one of the most important things that it needs to do so that when we get on the start line you see someone it's like as much as i'm not i'm not a big fan of mo farah but i appreciate that to the wider audience he's a personality and people look forward to seeing him race yeah and and that's good for the sport uh...
1: He certainly, uh, yeah. I mean, certainly, sort of. Well, maybe not so much Beijing, but uh, London and uh, London and Rio was uh, obviously massively special for for Mo. And he's he's kind of he's gone and let's just say he's gone a bit quirky in uh, in recent years. I think yeah. The uh, off off the back of the treadmill at the uh, the London Marathon Expo was uh, that was pretty
2: pretty special. That um, was that was frightening. That was frightening was. to watch. It was. That was horrible but, uh, to watch.
3: Hey, Rory. Here you love an XL coffee, my friend.
2: I, I do love an XL coffee. I really love an XL coffee. <laughs> so, uh, what do you love about XL, Rory? I love the way it makes me feel before and after a run. All that good stuff. They've, they're they one of the only lab-tested coffees for fitness and the health industry that show genuine positive effects on the body before and after running. I don't think a lot of coffee brands do, so... And it's a family-run company. Alex commonly has his children at work doing, you know, boxing up coffee, this, that, and the other. It tastes
3: amazing too, yeah?
2: It does, yeah. And there's, uh, you know, decaf options as well as caffeinated opto. It's, uh, it's not just for those who are trying to get some crazy buzz. If you enjoy coffee, you're going to love it. You've got single origins as well as blends, espresso to filter. If you are drinking from an espresso machine, he's ready for that. If you're drinking B60s, Chemex, all the filter stuff. there's there's that too really well rounded coffee brand if you are looking for a coffee that's that's going to help you in the fitness aspect and the nutritional aspect that's that's the one for you
3: where can you get hold of the coffee rory
2: direct from your exhale online and another thing to be is that alex does get his own coffee uh from you know different countries and he is trying different countries and different farms and different altitudes this that and the other all that fun stuff so yeah online there's subscriptions there's one off you can also buy Little samples that you can try first, I believe. So they're there as well. It's just um, there, there's um,
1: there's there's a book that I'm that I'm actually looking at as we're as we're speaking, I've just I've just finished reading, and I'm really interested to get your take on this, Rory. So the, so the book is called uh, Out, Out of Thin Air, uh, and it's about uh, it's about the Ethiopian running running culture, and it's essentially what they what they have in Ethiopia is a is quite a large number of professional clubs. Um, that are they're sponsored by companies so like utility companies like maybe the water the water company or the mobile phone company or you know whatever uh, they, they sponsor kind of 20 or 30 athletes and they'll live together in these kind of compounds and they've all got coaches and they've got this sort of high performance culture and they, they run they run in groups so they basically they improve as a group um, and then obviously at some point they have, they have to go and compete as individuals but but that's their, their that's their ethos is that they're they've got this sort of group improvement culture um, but I don't think that we we necessarily have all that much in, in the UK but is is that is that something that that's in effect at, at Loughborough to some extent where you're 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 in a group of kind of high performing athletes and you're all working for each other and with each other uh, is is that is that something that takes place there
2: I'd love to say that it was because of Loughborough, but I think it's definitely because of the the people that I train with. Because okay. I mean, currently I'm not allowed to go on my own track because I'm not elite enough. Which that that is what it is. I, I appreciate what the standards are like right now. But I'm lucky to have a group of sort of four or five lads. We do all of our training together, the long sessions, the short sessions, whatever, whatever. And we do work for each other. And that sort of mentality is so important, especially through the winter. In the summer, a little bit more individualized. Start training by ourselves a little bit, but. Getting the hard work done this year has shown what a good group of lads we've got because we've not had access to any of our own facilities at Loughborough um, and we've got very little support from the university. A little bit worrying given that it's you know the best sport university in the UK. Yeah, but, that's a shame. But it, it just shows the uh, the versatility. We've been out on the roads, we've been on the grass. We drive 45 minutes to Mansfield because it's the only track with a small enough fence to jump over. Um <laughs> and, uh, good uh, 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 yeah, we do what we what we can and, and what we're given. And like and this this winter's been been tough for all of us because of that, but we just just stuck to it and got the hard work done. And it's been really nice because I think every other winter's gonna feel a lot easier than this one. So yeah, I, I think we could I think in the UK, I mean it's like in Spain, Barcelona, like FC. Have a division of that where they've got hockey, netball, and then an athletics team, and they have these Barcelona vests, which are really, really cool. I really, really want one. I've been trying to swap with some Spanish geezers for a while, but they're uh, they're rather precious about their vests. So yeah, I can I'll get that? Yeah, I'll get there one day. So, but I mean, it's like get Mike Ashley on the job. Get get him getting a Newcastle division of a, of an athletics club and get all the Premier League clubs. It would cost them peanuts. It would cost. Not even sure how much it would cost them a year to run an athletics division of it. And in terms of exposure, it would be great. So I think the football clubs really can do a lot for other sports as, as well as sort of like football because that's where all the money is. And having those little teams and stuff and then creating these these teams because to them, the cost would be nothing. And to athletics, it would make the sport so much cooler. So I think a lot of kids as well just want to be... Like, I know I, I wanted to being in academies i got into an academy and then got kicked out of an academy but like for those small amount of times before i sort of got dropped because i wasn't good enough i was going to training in my newcastle kit and whatever and i I was loving it and it it was great and i think a lot of kids aspire to be in you know a man united kit or whatever and and be sort of representing their their cities and whatnot and we don't really get the chance to do that in athletics
1: i think i think it would be pretty pretty cool if we could yeah absolutely yeah
3: that's cool a couple of things firstly you mentioned before about how the tv coverage might be a little bit old school you have just mentioned some very cool stuff there about opportunities to shake things up i mean there's clearly some massive gaps out there and i think you are already <laughs> filling some of those gaps can you tell us a bit more about Traxter, how it came about and what you guys are doing with it
2: yeah, so my, me and my friend Alfie uh, run Trackster. Alfie started it sort of just before this time last year. I think I've, I've been in Trackster for a year now. Uh, so I joined when we had about 12,000 followers. And the main goal of it was to show that running is more than re- running around in circles and, and whatever. And that there's actually some cool people in athletics and, and there's things to be talked about in there. So we just started sort of like pumping out content about running and sort of getting access to athletes that a lot of people wouldn't have access to. I think our first Instagram TV was uh, with Parker Stinson, marathon guy out in the States who, you know, who runs for Socony. And we got him to do this like 10 questions with Parker Stinson on Instagram TV. And it had a really good response because it's, it's interviews that you wouldn't usually see with a guy of that caliber. And we sort of ran with it from there, started our own podcast. First podcast we had was with Craig Engels and we were like rabbits in headlights because the dude was just like a god to us. And he was—he he did a podcast from his van. So he's got this really cool van, and it had like LED lights and stuff coming all over. And we're on a Zoom call like this, and oh wow, that is a very cool van. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. I, I oh,
1: usually do our us podcast van? from in from inside that van, Rory. I I should be in there. Okay, I, I can go there now if you want.
2: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm incredibly jealous of that van that's another life aspiration i want to get a van at some point and just go off grid for a little bit but, um yeah so so craig was our first podcast and then we just kept going with athletes from there it was good for us because they shared it on their social channels which you know g- gave it back to us and we just sort of it just went crazy from there we recently hit 50k and alfie's been putting a big shift in um, more so than me recently just because of all the stuff i've had going on in the background and whatnot and big props to alfie on max like, he's taken on a lot of hard work sort of a, a lot by himself we, we have got other people writing things but alfie's just been pumping out so much youtube content and instagram content recently off his own back that it's been uh, it's been really cool and see it seeing it just carry on growing and stuff and i'm going to be back and more active with it in the next couple of weeks or so and then back to normal but but yeah so tracks has been pretty amazing
3: I was watching this very funny YouTube video of you guys. I couldn't work it out. Was was it recently? Was it Monaco, the Grand Prix? Was that this this year?
2: That was... God, I lose track of years because last year doesn't really feel like it happened. It was last year.
3: Oh, it was last
2: year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last year, yeah.
3: Has it been a while since you've been able to travel... To anything
2: yeah haven't that was the uh, the last time i left the uk which is is really strange for me because in terms of racing usually i'm i'm sort of in i mean i think last cross season i was sort of in spain twice in the netherlands and then in denmark so it's really weird not traveling but that monaco trip was that was really funny and that video is a, a nice nice little video yeah that's that was good but yeah we haven't haven't traveled in in what seems like forever i kind of missed the whole Getting on flights and going. I was supposed to be going to Flagstaff in January, but I had to cancel that, which was a was a real shame because Flagstaff's just like the home of running, isn't it? And that's I, w- I was going out there for a month, and I had to cancel it really last minute, which was a bit of a shame.
3: You and Alfie, were you competing in Monaco? Or was that purely out there to do some Trackster coverage?
2: Trackster coverage slash holiday. We we can. <laughs> We can kind of call it a work trip, I suppose. But yeah, there was there was two days of work and then the rest was just nice and fun. We were staying in Nice because Monaco is just so expensive, but it's like a 30-minute train into Monaco. And yeah, it was just getting out in the sun for a little bit and sort of the, the travel had opened up. So we were like, right, let's go. This is the only time we're going to be able to get some Diamond League coverage, go out and have fun and train in a bit, a bit of warmth and get out of the UK for a little bit.
3: What I really loved, Rory, is that there's a... There's a kind of a beautiful blur between, I guess, kind of reality and, and the kind of madness that's in your head. So um, I couldn't quite work out whether you actually knew any of the runners running around the track or it was just some beautiful banter that you were pretending that they were waving at you. <laughs>
2: I think I think we got a video where um, Jakob Ingebrigtsen waved at us. He at the time definitely didn't have a clue like who we were. He had no idea. But we were just like hello. And then we managed to get him video. Managed to get a video and wave. waving. we actually kind of missed a bit where he properly waved at us, which was a bit of a bit of a nightmare. But but no, there were there were some athletes out there that we knew, like Jake Whiteman and stuff. And seeing some of the British guys out there was very cool because for them as well, they don't really see many people from home being at Monaco Diamond League, especially that time of the year. So a lot of Brits were quite grateful to see sort of other Brits out there supporting them and whatnot. But then there was other ones where I think Chet the Guy, Chet the Guy had just broken the 5k world record and we got like within meters of him, which is very cool.
3: What's the future for Trackster, Rory? You know, what would you love to do with it this year?
2: This year, I think covering more events ourselves, definitely. I mean, there's a company called Citius Mag in the US who covered a track series the other night and it just, showed how like cool athletics can be if the right people are behind the cameras and talking about athletics and whatever so i think covering our own events going to events and uh and sort of having the pr there for athletes as well and then just doing some different stuff i'd love to have like a festival of miles where you've got a beer mile a blue jean mile <laughs> a mil- like a pint of milk mile and then just some other really just if you can throw something weird into a mile festival, like do it kind of thing. So I think miles are relative. You, everyone knows sort of how fast they can run a mile or whatever. But how fast can you run it in a pair of blue jeans? How fast can you run it down in a pint of milk every lap? That sort of thing. I think that would be
1: good. That sounds brilliant.
2: You up yeah. for that, Daz?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 up, I'm up for that. Absolutely. Um, we, could great we could find the whole lot, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I noticed that that cross the cross country in Aarhus was sponsored by my favourite beer, which is Micka. Uh, Micka. Oh, yeah, amazing.
2: It was special. It was really special. They had a uh, quite so at the after. This is a, a great one at the after party for that race. They had sort of like you know sort of like tuk tuk lorries, the little kind of yeah. So they had four of those around the room and just drafts, and it was <laughs> and it was all you could drink for free. Oh. So. It was like we'd raced really hard in the day. We'd come back to this after pie. It was the worst mixture because you've got athletes that probably averaged about 60 kilograms each after <laughs> running hard and then being given free alcohol. And, I mean, it, it, it was absolute bliss for me because I had, like, six IPAs down on one of the drafts as well. So I was working through those, and it was one of those where, like, I've never been in a room where – I don't know if the name Solomon Berega, sort of is up there for you guys but you know it's room 5k in like 1243 and you go into the middle of like a sort of dance floor and it's just sort of there and the whole Ethiopian team's there and I remember there was a point where the whole GB team was just so worse for wear I mean I, I, can't, I can't be mentioning I can't be mentioning names but we were in this changing room and everyone was just an absolute kind of state and everyone gone in there for a bit of a bit of a timeout sort of thing and you've got um again I don't want to mention names but you've got one of Britain's best 800 runners of all time who works for world athletics walked into the changing rooms saw what was going on walked straight back out in <laughs> like, I can have no part of this a certain one of our fastest marathon runners ever who once held the you know the world record was sort of again walks in sees what's going on I can't be seen here goes out again and it was, that's that's one thing that those events are great for because you come back with just kind of like the weirdest stories and the weirdest sort of things that happen especially after parties but they're very funny so yeah that's
3: marvelous, rory what is the longest run that you've ever done buddy
2: oh uh 60 miles i think 16
3: how do you think you'd get on doing a 50k
2: at the moment dreadfully i think i'd Probably fall apart very very early doors. I think I'd enjoy it if if I kind of time goes on and if if I when I finish with the marathons one, I'd love to give it a go. I'd love to try and train for that. But right now, I really don't know. Not very well. What would your
3: coaches say if you said that you wanted to do one? Would you think they'd be pretty strict and against that kind of thing. They see it's pretty counterproductive to you current training yeah
2: yeah they i think they'd be very annoyed at me if if i sort of suggested it purely because it's like sending those sort of fast twitch muscles into complete slow slow twitch and then trying to bring them back yeah they wouldn't be very happy it's one of those things that we i mean you guys might know the event ragnar relays so i did yeah so i did that last year because it was sort of track season was done and we were going into winter And that's the most sort of like, I guess, sort of wacky event out there that I've done on that front. And, you know, you've got a team of, I can't remember if it's like 12 and you've got like an eight mile leg or a a 10 mile or a 12 mile leg. And you're asleep in a van and then you wake up at three in the morning and it's like, yeah, it's your eight mile leg to do now. and You're out there like a zombie. And and, and it does make you think that people are doing this, you know, like you say, for twenty-four hours, and they're running at three o'clock with no sleep or whatever, and and this, that, this, that, and the other kind of thing. So, yeah, the event, the events are really cool to me. I think if I mentioned it to my coaches right now, I'd, I'd probably get a bit of a bit of a telling off. So,
1: on that sort of topic, just to mm-hmm. go back a little bit around the sort of beer mile stuff that we're talking about in the, in that festival yeah. that we're going to put on, Mo Farah. And Usain Bolt had this uh, this bet uh, a little while ago that they couldn't quite get off the ground, but they, they basically wanted to have a, a head-to-head with each other. And the distance that they settled on was 600 metres. Who, who, yeah. who, th- who do you think would have won out of those two, over 600 metres? Say so Usain Bolt. You say Bolt? Yeah, I reckon Bolt as well. Because I you, think David? he
3: could... Did- I so wanted you to say that they were going to do the beer mile. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, that's what I really wanted, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's it's, it's got to be you saying Bolt because if he can go through four hundred in like forty-four, I just don't think he can fall apart that much that Mo Farah catches him in in the last two hundred. It's, it's got to be Bolt. Bolt. I hope so. Uh, another
1: another question I had about uh, about your track running is when you're sort of lapping the track, how sort of accurate can you feel your pace? Like, can you dial into kind of a a 65 second lap versus a 61 second lap. Wait, how, how accurate do you get that in your in your feel of your of your pace?
2: Yeah, so it, it's um, an interesting watch because I feel like people become in less and less in tune with their bodies as they pay more attention to their watches. So my, my, when I first started running and when I've been all the way through, my dad said, right, you, you don't wear your watch for track sessions. You learn to know what your body feels like when you're running a 65. Even when you feel good and when you feel terrible, You need to know what a 65 feels like regardless. So yeah, I've been pretty good with that purely because since I started running, I haven't worn a watch for sessions. He's been there with a stopwatch. I hear my splits when I come through because it's just so important in a race, especially on the track, you're not relying on what's this saying, what am I doing every 200, checking that kind of thing. I think a lot of people, certainly my age and the younger generations, weirdly, I see so many young kids wearing watches and just looking at them every two seconds and it's like, enjoy it don't don't worry about what you're doing just enjoy what you're doing and know what your body wants you to do kind of thing so yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that's good advice man thanks beautiful yeah. advice
2: yeah
3: yeah who's gonna be the next kind of superstar of British athletics Rory
2: oh that's a that's a big I mean at my age in the nicest way possible there's way too many what I would like to call freak of nature's because they're just that good at running it's a bit of a disgrace really it's it's rather worrying so we've got a kid called max bergen who's run 145.3 for 800 and he ran that when he was 18 by himself i think 800 i think it's going to come from an 800 runner because we just have four 800 guys who are like rewriting the all-time lists for for that sort of age and it's nuts. I mean, I, I go to university with a guy called Ben Patterson, who's run 146 for 800. And he's re- he recently had a, a heart surgery like six months ago. He had his first races back the last sort of few weeks, and he ran 148 in his first race back. And anyone who can do that, I think you sort of, you, you can't really put a limit on them. Um, so I think it's definitely going to come from an 800 or miler perspective, because we've also got like Josh Lay, uh, he's run 336 for for 1500 and he's probably going to run a lot quicker this year and obviously so yeah I I think that and then there's also a girl called Keely Hodgkinson who recently ran 159 for 800 as a junior which is just ridiculous she broke a world record she won't mind me saying this she broke a world record that hadn't been broken for 17 years It then got, once she'd broken it, it got broken by someone else in the US three weeks after. Such a kick in the teeth, but it's funny to watch. And it's a a bit of a kick in the teeth for her, but it's one of those things where athletics at the moment is just in, in a good place, it's in good hands with young athletes.
3: So what's the next event for you, Rory?
2: Hopefully, a track race that would be nice. Hopefully, we start to see a little bit of what's going on. It, look, it sounds like there's a, a big race in Birmingham on, I think, twentieth of April or the twelfth, one of the two. So I think that's going to be the next one for me because it's kind of blindly in the blind at the minute. No one really knows what's going on. So fingers crossed, there will be some sort of race, not virtual either, so just a proper race where I'm just actually battling with other people. So yeah, hopefully we're going to we're going to be able to race normally soon. But it's going to be probably. A Fifty hundred. Maybe if Rory's alright with it, um, maybe we could touch on some of the other stuff that
1: that, that running does for you, Rory, in terms of, I mean, obviously as a performance and a career thing there, but are there other sort of health benefits that, that, that it gives you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think psychological being number one. Uh, as I mentioned to you guys, the past sort of year, 18 months for me have been awful. Like, if, if I didn't have running, I don't really know where I'd be which you know for a lot of people they find that and they're not necessarily you know running for Great Britain or whatever that they're, they're running because because they enjoy it I've had the weird dynamic where it's like so much shit's happened in the background but I still have to make teams I still have to run these times but it, it's like a new love for the sport again so I've sort of I'll, I'll, I'll touch on it. Um, This was at the the complete smaller end of the spectrum, sort of 16 months ago, somewhere around there. I was anemic, just complete lack of iron, because I wasn't taking care of my diet the way I should have been. I was taking a year out of education. I was working just because I wanted that work and run dynamic, just because I didn't want to step back straight into education. So I wasn't taking enough care of myself physically, which was a real killer for me, because then I had to stop running for a little while properly, because... I just wasn't healthy enough to do so. I would have, I would have had some bad injuries come off that um, with like bone density and stuff. Took me eight weeks then to get back into some good shape. Uh, and I ran 14.03 at Armagh. Came seventh fastest junior of all time, which was a, a, such a big bounce back. And it made me realize, you know, shit can happen and then you can come back. Got yeah. to lockdown, which wasn't ideal. No more race. and so I was getting into good shape. And really tragically, my nan was diagnosed with uh, with lung cancer which is just absolutely, she was kind of the, the queen of the family sort of thing. You know, she was, she was a real core piece of the family. Yeah. And we started to sort of, you know, it was the first time when I had sort of been gradually losing someone and you don't know when it's going to be, you don't know when it's going to worsen, you don't know if things are going to get better or not. You know, there's talk of treatment, there's talk of potentially no treatment and sort of it, 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 it was that prolonged period in between where I, I kind of had this little injury and the news of my nan had hit the family, I was at a bit of a loss. Didn't really know what was going on kind of thing. I just wasn't used to it. And obviously not having my friends around as much because it it was locked down, we couldn't see anyone. Uh, It was awful, it was awful for a lot of people. I know probably a lot of people were impacted more so than I was, but I guess problems are relative and 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 these were mine. Um, and And time went on and my nan tragically passed away. Luckily, my mum was able to go to my family in Manchester. She was able to go back and forth. Obviously, it was breaking COVID lockdown rules, but it's a mum. And, you know, and, and she had to do that. And, and she did. And I was and happy that she, she did do that. And that sort of, I then started running just before that, again, after the injury. And, and it was just such a blessing being able. I, I live in a really beautiful place to run as well. So I'm fortunate with that. Getting out in the forest, just running, clearing my head and then learning to like love running again because there was a bit of a time when it just seemed like the worst thing because I couldn't couldn't get out the door uh, and, and whatever but then you break through each bit and you realize how grateful you are for it and then you, you you start picking up more kind of fitness so you're feeling better and better each time you come out the door and then uh, I got back into track season started racing again didn't have the track season that I wanted to do because of the injuries and whatnot and everything going on in the background which is tough but Then moved to Loughborough. Well, actually, in in this time frame, my friend who was diagnosed with cancer three years ago, who was was my closest friend, Mm. he had stopped treatment just after A-levels. And we thought, you know, things were looking good and and whatever. We managed to go on holiday to Berlin. And, uh, well, we went traveling Berlin and Budapest with uh, with Ollie and my friend Louis. We had a great time out there. and, And it was great because that was his time of freedom where he was like in between treatment because we were hoping that he wouldn't have to have treatment again but um in that same summer that my nan passed my best mate was re-diagnosed with lung cancer and Mm -hmm. you know it it it, um it absolutely killed me uh as as you can imagine yeah it 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 was horrible um and it, it just kind of gave me the clarity that there's there's sort of there's so much going on in in the world. You've got to, the people close to you, and whatever you have to spend all the time that you can. Uh, so I was back. To, I mean, fortunately, he he got to have a term at Oxford. Such a clever lad. He was doing um, philosophy, politics, and economics at uh, at Oxford. So he was just you know a genius as, as as well as an amazing person. So I got to see him as much as possible. When we when we did find out about the lung cancer, we knew that. It wasn't good. Only He, he only told a few people. So it was his family, my family, me, um, and maybe sort of one other friend who knew because he, he didn't want people to know because he wanted people to treat him normally, which I think is pretty amazing. And he was amazing. And then in December, just after Christmas, I got a phone call from him. He'd been having headaches and his eyes had been hurting and, and all that sort of stuff. And they'd found two tumours in his brain. Um, and... You know, it was that point where we were just kind of like, you know, this this really isn't good. So I came home from university, uh, made sure that I was seeing him as much as possible where I could do. I mean, it, we know in this time, you know, I was missing no training. I was being on it as I could be and training was going really well. I'm in, you know, amazing shape and whatever. Um, but then I kind of got back, spent all the time that I could do with him. And then he kind of went quiet for four days. Wasn't replying to texts and sort of knew didn't want to didn't want to know and then uh, I got a phone call from his parents saying that you know, he, he passed away. And being told that your best mate has passed away is just, uh, especially at nineteen, it's just the last thing you ever expect to hear or want to hear. And you know it, it's uh, it made me grow up about thirty years in twenty four hours and just made me appreciate everyone around me and life uh, more than anything ever could have done and I mean I'm, I'm I'm saying this just because throughout that my one constant throughout all of the last year 18 months has been running as cheesy as that yeah. sounds and no it doesn't been, sound
1: cheesy at all mate
2: yeah and that and that's been the thing for me that has kept me focused and knowing there's still GB vests to be made I still need to be representing my country doing this that and the other and as sad as it is life doesn't stop as much as you want to have a bit of a break or you want things to pause it doesn't and and you've got to be able to get back on the track work hard you know put, leave you leave you sort of leave your body out on the track kind of thing and yeah and I think for anyone who doesn't run already and who is going through so it's like time of the day when you just go out and you just have clarity of everything when you're on a run I mean uh, a sort of weird one is even like Liam Gallagher does it. Liam Gallagher talks about going on a run. He's like, I, I have got, I don't, I don't go, I don't have these fancy watchers or anything. I just go out there and run and then come home. And it's like, if people like that are doing it to get to get their own headspace and stuff, I think any anyone anyone can do it, kind of thing.
1: Yeah, he's changed a bit, old Liam, hasn't he? He has a little
2: bit, yeah, he has.
3: That's a beautiful share that is, Rory. Really feel for your mate and uh, obviously what an what an amazing friend and and personality he was. So. uh yeah, a lot of opportunity to channel that running and and think of all the great stuff about Ollie and make those achievements. Yeah, make those goals.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, as as a sort of his it, funeral was last month, and I said the eulogy, it'll be in everything that I do for the rest of my life. And it's one of those things where it's like actually going and doing a track session isn't that hard. Like it's it's not. It, it, it's a privilege to be able to go out and do a run. And yeah, so that's how I'm treating running now. And and yeah, like you say. It will be with me in every bit, and uh, I'll be working hard for him.
3: Rory, thank you very much for being part of the show, buddy. It's been a been a real honour, and uh, mate, very much looking forward to meeting up and let's do some collaborations together.
2: Absolutely, thank you guys again for having me, and uh yeah, I look forward to starting this beer mile festival thing. This stuff, this sounds good. Me, Doctor, I'm in trouble. Doctor, I'm in trouble. Doctor, I'm in trouble. in trouble. I'm in trouble.
0: Is gracious me.